Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host and editor of thewolfpacker.com, Matt Carter. And we are going to break down NC State's significant third ACC win this season. The Wolfpack end up beating Louisville 28-13 Saturday night in Carter-Finley Stadium for what was NC State's homecoming game. Matt was there. I was watching it on ACC Network. Before we get started into our thoughts on the game, moving forward, what impressed us the most, things to watch for moving forward, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. Plus, please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every podcast you listen to is probably pushing this, I know, but if hey, if we're one of your favorites, if you're a loyal Wolfpacker listener, please, if you haven't already, do us a huge favor. Go over to the YouTube uh, channel that we have, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. Smash that subscribe button. Give this video a thumbs up, and please drop a comment below while you're at it. And positive vibes only in the comment section. I've been seeing a couple nasty comments recently, and you know what? I'm going to assume if you have a nasty comment, that you're a Carolina fan. So only Wolfpack, you know, if you're a visiting fan and you've got something nice to say, that's fine too. I see a lot of opposing fans give us some nice comments from time to time, but no Carolina fans. I don't want to hear that junk talk. So Wolfpack positive vibes only in the comment section. Matt, speaking of positive vibes only, NC State back in the win column. It's nice to return to home. You get the home crowd giving you that extra juice in the second half when maybe everybody's getting a little bit tired. Seemed like I know it's not an important part of the game, Matt, but seemed like on TV for a homecoming game there was kind of some empty seats there. I thought you know after that Miami game maybe a little bit of disappointment within the fan base, but you know as we're reminding folks last week, NC State's got a whole hell of a lot left to play for it still controls its own destiny as long as it keeps winning and that's exactly what it did Saturday night so what was your what was what was the energy like in the stadium and do you think maybe it led to kind of a eh, just kind of a the first half just flew by and not a whole lot happened there was just a lot of missed opportunities on both sides yeah I don't know that it's hard for us to tell because we're in the nice cushy yeah I will I will chilly in Raleigh on um that was probably the first kind of chilly night yeah I noticed a lot of sweatshirts and bundling up and everything yeah temperature kind of got in the 40s I think it started out at kickoff at about 50 degrees if I recall and kind of dipped down into the into the 40s as the, as the night wore on it was a little bit of a breeze as well so yeah it was night to be um spending at home uh, drinking some hot cocoa or something like that you know yeah uh, uh, maybe that played a role into it as you mentioned the miami game might have deflated things a little bit as well and the injury news but um i don't know if that played a role in it i just think the offense wasn't clicking i just think you know give louisville defense some credit for that um but yeah, it was certainly a slow start. There's no, no question about that. NC State, you know, first drive got I think a couple first downs and stalled out. Uh, second drive they scored a touchdown and to that between the second and third quarters, because that second their final possession of the first quarter. 
the next six drives, they had one first down and five three and outs. And it just wasn't going. I mean, the run game was not going. And, you know, Dave Doyle will insist that it has everything to do with the defense. But I think I do think at some point you got to take an internal look and say, okay, maybe the defense are loading up and gearing up to stop the run, but we still should be running better than this. Um, and so that'll be that's something that kind of worth following here as, as we go forward. But, yeah, because we saw something similar happen last year, right, where the running game just kind of, decreased in production yeah as the season went on but it was just kind of i don't know it was just a very stagnant night and i kind of felt like that that for a while that was the vibe that kind of carried the feeling you know nc state ended up winning by over two touchdowns it just didn't feel like that because of what happened in the second and third quarter where it was just a, a just a slog of a game um, I do think Louisville, NC State was a bit fortunate. I do think Louisville missed opportunities more so and probably should have been up more than 10 to 7 going into the third quarter. Um, but they blew their opportunity, and then NC State blew, uh, took every advantage of its opportunity in the fourth quarter. No question. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you an NC State fan and you missed this game for some reason last night, you want to rewatch it. On your DVR, you know, you can always watch the games on YouTube at the ACC Digital Network channel. Great, great tool for those that aren't aware of it. But you can go ahead and just skip to midway, pretty much into the third quarter, because up until that point, you know, it was just a gridlock. I mean, NC State's defense, you got to tip your cap to NC State's defense for keeping the Wolfpack in this game for as long as it did. Kept it a manageable score. Like you mentioned, Matt, you know, Louisville very easily could have been up a touchdown or, or maybe even two possessions by the time NC State's offense seemed to get into a rhythm late in the third quarter. But, I mean, considering the injuries, you have four defensive starters out from your opening day roster. Of course, the loss of Isaiah Moore earlier this week is huge. He's your captain of the team. He's your field general. He's your coach on the field at middle linebacker. He plays a huge role, particularly going into a game against a dual-threat quarterback like Malik Cunningham with Louisville and you know Malik Cunningham showed his flashes he's going to have his highlights he's going to have his production but can you limit him and can you stop him when it counts when Louisville is threatening you inside of your own territory can you get a stop can you force the Louisville kicking team to come out and just settle for a field goal which Louisville was also missed one of those field goals early on in the game uh, tip your cap to this defense for for setting the scenarios that NC State was only down three late in the third quarter. Finally, once Trent Penix was able to get open, catch that touchdown, which broke open the game, NC State takes its first four-point lead of the second half. And from that point on, it was pretty much all Wolfpack. I do think Louisville was able to manage a field goal, but that was it. it NC State outscored Louisville 21-3 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, do you want to start with the offense or the defense, Matt? Because I feel like I think you should start with the defense because they deserve. Yeah, the that one too. That that field goal was aided and abetted by a really poor roughing the passer penalty on By Jones and poor not on the part of By Jones, poor on the part of the official to throw that flag. Well, there's that two, been a third there was two third bad late. Shot. There was two bad late late hit calls because I don't know if you're able to see it in the press box. Matt might have been a tougher view, 
But when Tanner Engel, I mean, it, I, everybody assumes when Tanner Engel touches somebody out of bounds, you're probably like, well, Tanner Engel was probably in the wrong there. But Malik Cunningham was just being a smart player, and he knew that he just got that ticky-tack call one second ago. He rushes right to the right sideline again on the very next play. Tanner Engel barely touches him out of bounds, and Malik Cunningham collapses as though he had been you know, pushed by Thor himself. Gets another penalty. So there's 30 yards right there. NC State probably could have, you know, not allowed that field goal to begin with. It wasn't It wasn't a defensive breakdown. It was the referees giving a gift yeah. or two to the Louisville offense. But anyways, continue, Matt. Yeah, but yeah, the bottom line is at the end of that drive, Louisville gets it into the uh, inside the 20 and had to settle for a field goal. Um, you know, and they, I think at one time they had a fourth and one. Um, and they ended up having, uh, uh, they were for it, but I th- they got a false start and they had to kick a field goal there. I'm not sure if that's the one they missed. It might've yeah. been the one they missed. Yeah. The first quarter was a chip shot, 24 yard field goal. Um, you know, Drake Thomas had a huge sack on Malik Cunningham down there in the red zone once. Yeah. The bottom line is, is every time Louisville got close, they had to end up lining up for goals, which was the classic definition of Ben, but not Blake. Right. But. When you're playing a team that runs to all like Louisville, that has the big play capability of Louisville, which did hurt NC State in this game, um, that's kind of the philosophy you have to take. That you know, Louisville played eight times. That ended up being the third fewest total yards in a game this year for Louisville. But most importantly, the first time in a the game they did not score a touchdown in the red zone. The only touchdown was a seven-yard pass or seventy-nine. I can't remember. Exact yard is on that. Um, and then, otherwise, they did down in the red zone. And that ended up being the fewest points in a game for Louisville by, I think, by 11 points fewer than any prior game. So, that is a, a, an explosive, high-powered rushing attack, dynamic quarterback, um, prolific offense that they played. And NC State gave up yards, particularly in the rushing game, but not the norm. But they 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 didn't break, and that was the whole. Truthfully, what won NC State the game, I felt like they they didn't break. They held up um, in the red zone, and they, they did get a turnover. They got lucky with the missed field goal. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's why they won the game. But point. Yeah, very simple. They just did not give up touchdowns in the red zone to an offense that's pretty good at scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I think if you're an NC State fan, you've got to be super encouraged with that, and that's kind of your your best hope for this NC State defense the rest of the way, right? When you're facing dynamic offenses in college football, you know you're not going to shut a team out. I mean, that you know, there's really only one defensive front in the country, maybe two, that can really just truly shut teams out, and that's Georgia right now. It may be Alabama if they're playing an inferior opponent, but we've seen that they can be just as equally against good offenses. I mean, nobody can stop a good offense, and Louisville's is a good offense, but can you stop them when it counts? Can you can you muster together three and outs in the red zone or you know deep in your own territory? And that's exactly what NC State did. This is a game that Louisville outgained NC State 434 yards to 361. That could have been an even wider margin had NC State not really put the pedal to the metal 
in the fourth quarter, outgaining Louisville by nearly 100 yards in the final 15 minutes of the game. Um, so, you know, hats off to this NC State defense, and it starts with Drake Thomas, who picked up Isaiah Moore's role at middle linebacker, allowed Vi Jones to slip into Drake's spot at outside backer, which allowed Jones to use his athleticism, which was really kind of suited for, you know, a matchup like Malik Cunningham, a dual-threat quarterback, would not surprise to see that recipe used again next week in Tallahassee against Jordan Travis, an equally explosive dual-threat quarterback that NC State will face next weekend. Um, but, you know, in a game where Louisville runs for 215 rushing yards, you'd think you'd think that's a game that you lose more times than not. But for this NC State defense to only keep Louisville to, to 13 points on the scoreboard is super impressive and you know, again, just a couple stats to just solidify NC State's defense stepping up when it counts. Louisville 6 of 15 on third down attempts was 0 of 3 on third down attempts in the fourth quarter. Also 0 of 3 on fourth down attempts um, for the game. So look, when Louisville rolled the dice and, and needed just a few yards, NC State was able to stop it. And, you know, as frustrating... I was going to say, one of those was a key stop in the third quarter. I mean, Louisville had gone up 10 shots. NC State had one of that series of three and outs they had. Yep. I tell you, it felt like a big defensive possession here. And Louisville started to drive. They were on the drive, and they kind of got into that no-man's land, you know, in between the 30 and 40-yard line. Um, and they faced, I think, a fourth and three or a fourth and two, and they went for it with, a, I believe, a Malik Cunningham run. Yep. And they got they got stopped short. That that may have been a game a game saver, which again goes back to, you know, truthfully Louisville with the team that had the opportunity for three quarters, they missed a short field goal. They they got stopped in uh, the uh, entry state territory on a fourth down, and they had to set another field a short field goal. So um, that was that was a huge down stop there in the third quarter in the third quarter. Well, as frustrating as it was for NC State's offense for a majority of that game, you have to think if you're on the Louisville side of the equation, I mean, you're pulling out your hair if you're Scott Satterfield. Just as many explosive plays as they were able to execute, and they were. I mean, it seemed like NC State constantly had them in bad field position, too. NC State pins Louisville inside the 20-yard line five times in this game. Again, I brought it up. I I know it was kind of a joke to give Trenton Gill my game ball last week, but he is an important part of the equation of what NC State does best, which is grind you down for as long as you can take it, and then as soon as there's an opportunity, NC State's going to strike. I mean, it it it's really a similar formula that NC State took in this game to what you know what happened in Chestnut Hill two weeks ago, where you know for two quarters, better part of three quarters. Dead even, you know, NC State just hanging in there, waiting for the offense to get going. Good special team, solid defense keeps you in the game. And then, you know, when that opposing defense starts to get tired or you figure out the equation, you finally pull the right strings. If you're Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator, finally get some points on the board and then you can take control of the game. Um, so, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're Louisville, way more missed opportunities than if you're NC State and, um, that's the complete opposite of what was the case last week where NC State seemed like the team that that left all the money on the table. Let's talk about the offense, Matt, because, you know, for three quarters, it seemed like we were going to have to have a conversation this morning of, 
you know what what's what's going on with this offense got to figure out the run game somehow and i still think we need to have those conversations because this run game really 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 is not producing nearly as much as what we kind of expected going into the season and considering the talent in that department you'd expect a lot more of it but there's a guy by the name of devin leary that came in to save the day when it counted and you know, don't look now, but Devin Leary is really putting together a strong case for to see his name on the All ACC ballot at the end of the year because in ACC play alone, you know, for in the entire season he's been steady, he's been super consistent, but in ACC play he's been, I mean, he's been surgical. I, I don't think, I think I saw the stat; it might have been incorrect on it, whether it was conference only or not, or if it was just his last five games. But I'm not sure he's thrown an interception in an ACC game yet, Matt. Has he? Yeah, I'm, I'm going through him in my head. I don't remember. He had a turnover against Clemson with the fump. Yeah, when they tried to they tried to trick play. I don't remember an interception in that game, and he certainly didn't have any against Boston the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't think he has had a, uh, an interception. He did have a turnover, but not an interception. An ACC play, yeah, phenomenal. That, you know, that was a matchup they were hoping to take advantage of with receiver on corners. You look at the two corners for Louisville, they're 5'10", one's about a buck 70, the other's less than that. If you look at NC State, two outside receivers, the Mecca Emeji is, what, 6'3", 220? And Devin Carter is like 6'4", 215. So that is a huge size advantage. And so I think they were looking for that. They got press covers. They were going to go to those outside receivers and trust Devin Leary in this game. Uh, for whatever reason, I mean, it was just for three quarters outside of a drive or two, did not click. And, you know, the, uh, the frustrating part, as you mentioned, was the field position. Particularly, I would say in the second quarter, maybe it was. Yeah, second quarter. They had a lot of opportunities where I think Thayer Thomas a couple of times had a fair catch around the line, entry State 40-yard line. You know, that's a great field position. They had a kickoff go out of bounds. They got at the 35, and they just were not taking advantage of winning the field position battle because they just could not move the football. And Largely because of an inability to run the football. They, they just couldn't run it, and they were not getting positive yards in the running game. And they just put them in back. They just could, <clears throat> could not get first down. And, you know, Louisville did some good things on the outside coverage, uh, breaking up some passes, and whatever it was. I'm not sure what it was. I, I haven't broke down film. I'm not the coaches. I don't know what the plan was going into the game. Um, I don't know what the execution was. All I know is that it wasn't working. The door and Henry and Beck changed some things up, maybe the pocket around a little bit, quit being so stagnant in the backfield, and that that might have helped. That was a beautiful play call on the Trent Pennix touchdown pass. The Devin Carter touchdown was a well-executed play. Um, yeah, you just started seeing things start as a nice play once to rookie person a couple times on the backfield against the aggressive Louisville defense, kind of coming out, leaking out of the backfield on the screen pass. Um, 
And it was beautiful in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was about, you felt like there was no question they could score if they got the ball again. Yeah. In in the fourth quarter. So, now, strangely, that's what, I think we talked about that in the preview podcast. Louisville was not a good fourth quarter, second half, but particularly fourth quarter football team. That's one of their issues this year. This is the second game they've been outscored um, somewhere around 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter. I think Virginia also outscored them 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter. So Louisville had clear issues they have to identify about the fourth quarter. I don't know what's going on in the fourth quarter with them. Um, and the other thing we said before the game is team that beat Louisville had success throwing the football on them, right? Wake Forest threw for over 300. Virginia threw for almost 500. This was the game to let Devin Leary be the offense, and he answered. And it's just a shame, not a shame, but it's just a, somewhat of a shame for Leary that the ACC is so damn good this year with quarterbacks. Because, yeah, it makes it hard to be all ACC this year when Kenny Pickett and Brennan Armstrong and Sam Hartman are doing what they're doing. Um. Yep. And you you know, you're you're getting overshadowed despite putting up unbelievable numbers yourself. And you also got Malik Cunningham, Mr. All Purpose, running around there and you got you know, Sam Howell still putting up very good numbers down in Chapel Hill. It's just not leading to a lot of wins down there. And and so in a normal year you felt like he'd be in the mix for first team all ACC and right now you're wondering we'll mention all ACC just because there's so many good quarterbacks in the ACC this year. Right. But it, it is setting up for, you know, a, a lot of those guys you mentioned, Matt, they're playing their ways into pro contracts this summer. You know, Leary, for as good as he's been, I still think he's he's got some more time to mature before he has, you know, working on Sundays to think about. He'll be back, I would assume, next season. And you'd think that Kenny Pickett, his draft stock going up as high as it has, as it has Sam Howell, probably still a first-round pick, even though I know Carolina hasn't been as good. Howell's had impressive numbers. You look at guys like Armstrong and Hartman at Wake Forest. I mean, these these guys could all be in the pros next year, which sets up for, you know, maybe next year is Devin Leary's year to kind of be that that guy that's that's featured in the in the preseason polls and kind of kind of like what Howell was this year, where you know this is kind of the the best quarterback in the league, or what we think is going to be the best quarterback in the league going into the season with a little bit more hype. But you know that doesn't matter, and I don't think. Uh, at the end of the day, if, if, if Devin Leary isn't on the All-ACC team, or if he is, it, it doesn't matter. NC State's getting exactly what it needs from Leary. We said it at the beginning of the year. This team can go as far as Devin Leary takes it. And, you know, if there's been questions at this point in the season, four games remaining, we're, you know, at a third of the season left. If there's any questions remaining, and there are, they're not related to Devin Leary. I think it's it's pretty much you know Leary solidified his his case that he is the guy. There's no question that this is you know the future of NC State football at least for the time being. And I mean the last time he threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions in a game was of course that game last year at Pittsburgh where Leary that was kind of his breakout game. You know there was excitement in the fan base over some flashes that he showed and the late latter half of 2019 where he kind of went into some games that NC State was a heavy underdog in and, and, and showed flashes but was not quite precise enough 
for NC State fans to go, okay, yeah, he's definitely the guy. He goes up to Pittsburgh and does that, and of course, you know, puts on a similar type of performance in this game with the fourth quarter heroics. Um, Leary's carrying this offense right now. You know, last night, and he did it last night, even with you know some poor play on the offensive line. I think this was probably the offensive line's worst outing in ACC play thus far. Um, you know, you lose a guy like Chandler Zavala at left guard. I know that's probably a loss that you know they're really feeling right now. That left side, particularly the offensive line, was was the strongest part with Iki Aquanu at left tackle and Zavala at, at left guard, and then of course you got Grant Gibson at center to pitch in on the left side if needed. You know, now you've got to switch things around, and I think it's probably just a matter of just getting that right fit. Uh, in the absence of Zavala, figuring things out where everyone needs to be. I'm not super concerned that the offensive line struggles are going to continue, but they were there last night. I think it's a big reason why the running game just never really got off the ground. Louisville really controlled the line of scrimmage uh, when when the Louisville defense was on the field. It controlled the line of scrimmage, and, and when NC State's offense began to click, you mentioned it, Matt. It was because they started moving the pocket. It's because they started scheming away from having to just sit there under pressure while the Louisville defensive line is blitzing, you know, Leary. It gave Leary a little bit more comfort, a little bit more space to maneuver, find the open man, and let your playmakers make plays. Um, If only you could just, you know, for the first three quarters, if only NC State could have moved the ball on first and second down, it probably wouldn't have been as frustrating a game. But Dave Dorn said it best at halftime. It's like, feels like we're always in third and ten. And he was exact, and and it continued for the rest of the third quarter. It was like every time NC State went on the field, nothing on first down, nothing on second down, and then you're just setting yourself up for a tough play on third down. And even if they managed to get one first down, it's like same equation. They couldn't do it twice. So, um, what what's uh, what's your take on the run game right now, Matt? Is it is it a combination of issues? Is it Last night, did you think it was more the offensive line? Is it the backs not performing? I mean, it's like with Ricky and Bam, they're both so talented, you would think that one of them could get going. It seems like recently it's been Ricky, but even he hasn't put together a whole lot. I mean, what what's your what's your take on it? Tough to tell. It really is. I, I mean, you know, I was trying to watch the box. I did see seven, eight guys in the box at time for Louisville. Uh, you do have to wonder if maybe there's a bit of predictability with the run calls. That, that you know, I kind of wondered after the Miami game, I was talking to some friends and wondered if there was some tipping off going on, if they're tipping off the run plays, and maybe that's an issue with the tendencies that didn't did not get cleaned up after the bye week. I don't know. Uh, bottom line is is that there are too many plays where the running back is met by a brick wall and they, they really have little recourse but to just cradle up and protect the football. Um, I thought they ran a little harder in this game, uh, particularly Bam was a little bit, but it just, you know, they were trying. They, it's just hard when you're being met in the backfield. Um, and there was one run where Ricky Person looked like he had a nice run being set up and then all of a sudden he went east-west instead of yeah, uh, continued. and it ended up being a two-yard run when that looked like it had about five, six more yards if he had kept on the current path. I, I'm not sure that it was the case of the running back missing anything. 
Um, so it is either an issue with the offensive line or it could where the defenses are just selling out. They, they see that at the best way. They, they understand that that means they're going to give up yards to Devin Leary. But maybe they figure out, well, yeah, we're probably going to give up those yards anyway um, if NC State wants it. So let's just focus solely on taking away the running game. Um, that could easily be part of it. I mean, I think that's what you're going to see Dave Dorn insist that it is. And he knows a heck of a lot more football than you and I do. And they obviously see what's going on better than you and I do. So, right, but he he also he also has the agenda to keep that running back room confident. Yeah, you want to keep those guys. You want to protect them. Um, no question about it. So I, I I I think it's probably what you said before a mix of all of the above. I think it's a, the offensive line that kind of had issues post Javala injury. I. Honestly, if you look at it, how they really run the football that effectively against Power 5 team, period. I mean, they, they weren't great running the football against Mississippi State that much. No. Um, yeah. They did a nice job wearing Clemson out running the football, but that because they had the ball for like 40 minutes in that, in that football game. And you're not going to get that recipe for success very often, much at all. So, uh, BC and Miami and now... Yeah, Clemson's the best Power 5 performance to date for the run game. Yeah. And like I said, I probably was a product of that defense being on the field for Clemson way too long. Right. Um, so, I don't know. It's something got to fix. Bottom line is, though, they, did, they have scored points in the game. I mean, they did score 30 on Miami. They did score 28 on Louisville. I think the... Uh, Offense 24 against Boston College. So, yeah, they're getting points. I would like one more touchdown per game from the offense, and I think NC State would be in a good position to win the majority of the games left on the schedule. So well, find a way to get about one more touchdown in the game spot. I can tell you the Miami loss is looking a lot less, I guess, hair pulling, if you will. And Mississippi State. And Mississippi State. Yep, big Mississippi State, big win over Kentucky at home last night. Uh, Miami going up to Pittsburgh, taking down the Panthers. What, what was that, Matt? I said Mississippi State now 5-3 and 3-2 and three and two in the SEC. Yeah, so look, I mean, you know, both of, both of NC State's losses, you know, have the makings of teams that, you know, could see themselves in the top 25 once the year's all said and done. I mean, I would imagine Mississippi State will – catapult into the poll after what probably their third or fourth win over a ranked opponent this year i mean they've got a really tough schedule um and then miami clearly showing some life here midway through the season if you take a look at the coastal all of a sudden miami might have a a, a puncher's chance at the coastal division i mean there's what four teams with two acc losses in the coastal and pittsburgh's the one remaining with one loss i wrote that in uh, last week I wrote a three-two-one about the ACC race, and I kinda, you know everybody's handing the coastal to Pittsburgh, but it needed to beat Miami to really cruise to the coastal and Virginia for that matter too. Yeah, but if you look at Miami, that win over NC State was big for them because if they beat Pittsburgh now, all of a sudden their last four games 
I think they get Georgia Tech. I think they got Duke. I think they got Virginia Tech and Florida State. I mean, yeah, they can win all of those games, and there's a couple of them they should easily win uh, in the current state of things. So, you know, if they beat Pittsburgh and went out. That pushed the pressure on Pittsburgh to win out because now they've lost like a head-to-head. Me. And then Pittsburgh still got to play Virginia. They still got to play UNC. It's not out of the question that that uh, Miami could sneak it in out of the coastal, and it's still not out of the question NC State could win the Atlantic. So no, that dream. no, give up on that dream either. So it's still still possible for Clemson to win the Atlantic, as much as people don't want to say it. I mean, they, Clemson has not looked impressive, but they keep finding a way to win these close games in the teens and twenties. The least impressive four and two ACC team. I mean, the defense has been impressive. I've grown that, but uh, kind of they've had three fluky wins. It feels like at home. Yeah, yeah. And one on the road against Syracuse. Um, they're not that far from being zero and six. Mind boggling. Look, this is a huge win for NC State. Reason to celebrate, but you got to move on. You got to go take care of business next week at Florida State. Four games remaining in the regular season, one of which at Wake Forest, which will pretty much most likely decide the ACC Atlantic Division this season. Uh, my take on it I think NC State's got to go three and one in these final four games and can't afford a loss to Wake Forest. So if the one loss is to Wake Forest, you can probably go ahead and kiss the ACC Atlantic Division title chances away. But, you know, say you, you don't want to. You, you know for sure NC State will win the Atlantic if it goes 4-0 in these final four games. If it goes 3-1, and I still think it's probably an above 50% chance of winning because I still think Wake Forest has some work to do after NC State. They still have to play Clemson. And uh, although Boston College is not looking very tough after getting, getting their uh, butts handed to them by Syracuse, but... You never know. I, I, Crazy I, I, things can happen. I think Wake, Wake Forest has had the horseshoe up the butt this year, and that's fine. That, that's not trying to put a negative connotation to that. I mean, I would love to have the horseshoe up my butt, you know. Um, the key is taking advantage of it, and that's what they're doing. That's the hallmark of a good team is taking advantage of good fortune. But you know, you'd have much rather have played Florida State and Virginia when they played those two teams. Um, they, they got Duke – uh, instead of Miami on a crossover, um, I forget who the other crossover they had, but it wasn't Pittsburgh or Virginia. And they got Virginia when they had that two game slump after the loss to UNC. You know, they get BC when BC falling apart. Um, you know, even like Clemson, they're getting Clemson, all the injuries now version of Clemson versus the Clemson that had injuries when NC State played them. And NC State had to play Miami when it was starting to figure things out and play Louisville when it was at its most dangerous and playing T when they were still looking respectable. And so it's been a difference of when you, timing of when you play teams is everything, which is why I think realistically, and I just that you can count on, I think NC State realistically got to count on winning out. I, I just, I just think that's the realistic formula for you. I just don't think you can expect Wake Forest to lose it. Um, two out of three in that stretch. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, it, it would come down to Clemson. 
Like I don't I don't see Wake Forest losing to Boston College, but the Clemson game is going to be tough. I think it's also in Clemson, which look, okay. I mean, as much as 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 many problems as Clemson has this year, they they lost to Pitt in Pittsburgh, right? Or did they lose in Clemson? Yeah. They lost in Pittsburgh. They okay. had a lot of good four teams at home. Their three wins have been Georgia Tech. It's been a long time since an ACC team has gone down to Death Valley and come out with a victory. It's been several years. So, look, I know this is not the same Clemson team that we've seen in years past, but, look, if you're an NC State fan, NC State finds a way to win these next two games. Got to put on your uh, put on your orange and purple for that following week and hope that the Tigers can find a way to beat Wake Forest in Death Valley. That would mean that NC State would only have to win one of its final two games to clinch the ACC Atlantic. But boy, oh boy, could we be setting up for a very, very interesting NC State-Carolina game at the end of the season. You could very easily see NC State going into that game with a nine and two record, six and one ACC record, needing one more win to clinch the ACC Atlantic. On the other hand, you could see Carolina going into that game five and six, needing just one more game to claim bowl eligibility in a year they started in the top ten in the preseason rankings. So, oof, wouldn't that be a juicy matchup there if Carolina and State go into that game? Carolina with an opportunity to play spoiler. We will see. In the upcoming weeks, we'll have some coverage on thewolfpacker.com, so stay tuned there. Everything football-related. Quick reminder for the listeners at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to us. And before I remind you again to subscribe to the YouTube channel, before I even forget, Matt, before we get out of here, let's give out our game balls. I think they're pretty self-explanatory this week, but I'll let you start. You can uh, pick whoever you want to. Give your pat on the back, too. Yeah, I think, uh, we don't have to elaborate too much because everybody saw the game knows who they are. Drake Thomas, 15 tackles, two and a half, two sacks, pass breakup. But a good day's work. That would have been good two weeks work, work of, work, worth of work. Um, and he put it all in one afternoon. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he may have been. It, it, yeah, all the talk about losing, quote-unquote, your two best linebackers ignores the fact that, you know, the first two games that he did uh, when, before Peyton Wilson got hurt, Rick Thomas was playing better than those two. And, yeah, Isaiah Moore was playing phenomenal football, but Drake Thomas was right there with him. You're right. Um, so, you know, he kind of was the forgotten guy in that three-man linebacker crew, but he may have been, even before the injury, the best linebacker in that three-linebacker crew. So... Uh, he, he gets my game ball. Yeah, he might he might end up getting the game ball of the year at this rate. Um, Devin Leary's the other guy, obviously. No no uh, spoiler alert. Uh, Devin Leary completes sixty nine percent of his passes, three hundred and seventeen yards, four touchdowns, no picks, no picks in ACC play thus far. Let's go ahead and knock on wood for that one because obviously four more ACC games ahead of him, but. Larry's been looking sharp. NC State fans should be excited. This team can go as far as he takes them. Can he lead the Wolfpack to four more victories? Can the rushing game get going just enough to give Larry enough cushion to do so? And can the defense keep reeling these teams in, allowing the offense to take care of business in the second half? We will see. Stay tuned on thewolfpacker.com. We'll have all your coverage here in the next few weeks as the season comes to a close and we head into the postseason, see if NC State can sneak into that ACC championship game 
Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you can catch all these podcasts for the games. We've got the previews. We've got the post-game analysis. We've got basketball season coming up. Matt and I have to talk about doing a basketball preview here soon. A lot going on. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up. Comment below. Positive vibes only. Follow us on social media. You can follow us at our main account at the Wolfpacker on Twitter. You can follow us or you can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter and give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.